you know, intuition without emotion is really magical. So not letting like the fear or the stress or the anxiety of, you know, getting back to fitness or getting back to a certain level or getting your body back to a certain way that can really skew your direction. So I think if you can try and push that aside as much as you can and be in tune a little bit more, our bodies are just so clever, you know, they'll just kind of like tell you where to be and when and when you need to rest. And so I try to just tune into that and um, yeah, take it one day at a time. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we share honest and inspiring conversations so that you can live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebelagen. This week, the fittest humans on the planet are competing in the CrossFit Games. For Aussie athlete Cara Saunders, this year's Games will be her 10th. It's an incredible milestone considering Kara didn't have much of a fitness routine before she discovered the sport. Surprising, but true story. In this episode, Kara shares how a conversation with her mum about going to the gym changed the direction of her life and how she hopes to set the same kind of example to her three-year-old daughter, Scotty. Plus, she delves into all the fitness, nutrition and recovery tips that have helped her not only prepare for her 10th CrossFit Games, but feel healthier now at 32 than she did at 25. Now, I'm really curious, before you discovered CrossFit, what was your fitness regimen like? To be honest, I didn't really have one. I grew up like most Australian kids playing a lot of sport. And then when I went to high school, I think I would have been about, you know, maybe 12 or 13. I kind of just stopped doing anything. I think teenage years were difficult and you know, I kind of just got wrapped up in that a little bit. And I only found fitness again when I was about, let me say 19 or 20. And I just kind of was feeling a little bit crappy, to be honest. And so I went and joined a gym and only a couple of months into that journey of like starting to find fitness again, I was introduced to CrossFit. And then I started that because it was like super fun and really different, had so many different moving parts and it made it a lot easier for me to turn up each day. So yeah, I went from kind of almost nothing for quite a long time, almost straight into it. Do you remember what it was like that first time that you stepped into a CrossFit box? Yeah, I do. I actually, what I remember the most though was before I stepped into a CrossFit box, I actually went to uh, what is now known as, I think it would be the open. So one of the qualifying stages, but they used to do it on a much more local level. Um, and it was called like a, oh, I can't even remember what it was called, but pretty much everyone would get together. It was in Brisbane and they had this big competition in, in this, um, gym in Brisbane. And I remember just walking in, someone said, Hey, come and watch this, you know, watch everyone throw down, like see what CrossFit's really about outside of the gym. And I went and watched this competition. I thought it was the wildest thing I'd ever seen. These people were like crazy and loud as loud music. They were like sweaty and had no shirts on and they were doing all these crazy movements. And I just remember being like, this is so cool and wild. Like I need to get involved. This is why I love watching the documentaries and watching the games because I'm like, these athletes are just so inspiring. It makes me want to train. <laughs> but I think for some people, people watch it and they're like, oh no, I can't do that. What do you think it was inside of you that made you think, oh yeah, this is for me? I think for me, like my fitness journey, like I had kind of looked to fitness to 
help me out in my life to help me feel good. And it was very much like a personal thing for me. And so when I wanted to do CrossFit, it didn't really bother me about like what I could and couldn't do, what anyone else was doing. I just wanted something that made it easy for me to show up because like going to the gym or, you know, whatever it is, it's really hard to show up when you're tired or you've been working or whatever. So I was like, I need to find something that is really fun and that I enjoy. And so I just never really worried too much about what anyone else was doing. And all I knew and all I really focused on was that there were so many different aspects to CrossFit. So, you know, they lifted barbells, they did normal cardio type workouts, and then there were also gymnastic skills in there. And I thought there's kind of something for everyone. There's some things that I'm pretty good at, and there's some things that I'm not so good at that I can work on. And I guess that just kind of like overruled anything else or, you know, what anyone crazy was doing. And I I definitely certainly never thought about competing or competition because obviously that side of CrossFit is like a totally different side of CrossFit outside of your regular gym. And yeah, I just wanted to show up and just do my thing. And I was totally just in my own bubble, just living my best life, enjoying something that, I don't know, it was so, it was so crazy and it would like, you know, I'd have my ass handed to me every day, but for some reason I really liked that. <laughs> and you're right though, because there's so much variety, it's hard to get bored um, training, training that way. I was talking to someone else the other day because I've signed up for a running event and I'm not a runner. I never ident- identify as a runner. And so it, I've incorporated extra running sessions into my week and it's so hard to get out of bed for those sessions because I don't want to do it. But this is why it's great to find something that you love because that's a thing that just helps you commit to this fitness regimen. Yeah. And I think um, I've always looked at it as though I think a really healthy balance is finding something you love for sure. For certain, that's so important. That makes it easy to show up. But with a healthy balance of things that you don't love so much, because I think that that just still like instills a level of like resilience in people that we really need in life. Like you still have to do things that are out of your comfort zone, you know, especially if they're good things, right? Like I'm not a runner either. Like it's, it's, I'm not really built for it, especially like long distance. I've had to work a lot harder for it, but it's also not a bad thing. It's a really positive thing. Like running and that form of exercise is also really good for me. It's really positive. I feel amazing afterwards. I, you know, feel like I've really achieved something. So despite the fact that it's not just my love, you can't always just do the things that are like, you know, 100% you love. Otherwise we wouldn't get through life, right? Because you just wouldn't cope (laughs) with all the things that are really hard and that we don't love that are thrown at us every day. That is very, very, very true. Um, so you said that you, yeah, you were doing this for you basically, and you had no thoughts of competing. Then what made you then take it seriously? Uh, it was actually an accident. I decided to register my name for the qualifying process. So they have it, the, it's called the open and anyone in the world can participate in it. And it's the first qualifying stage. You do it online and you can do it within your local gym. Uh, they just validate it. So you kind of submit your scores and then you get put on a world la- uh, worldwide leaderboard. And uh, I didn't really know what it was. And everyone said, hey, it's just this fun thing. We're going to do it for five weeks. We do one a week. We all get together. We're going to have some breakfast afterwards on a Saturday. And it's going to be like a really cool social thing. And we'll test out where we're at. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. So I did that. And there were a heap of things that I had never done before. I'd just been turning up to training. And I qualified for the next stage. And I went, oh, I don't even know what this next stage is. I'm so new to this. I went to the next stage again, got my ass handed to me like I was a total rookie, but I was like, this is actually pretty cool. I came back. I had a real passion for training. I kept showing up every day 
And then when I came back to do that qualifying stage again the next year, I placed fifth in the country. And I was like, oh, I got pretty good just showing up, like really, you know, just trying really hard every day and doing what I love. Um, so I went to the next stage and then I won and I qualified for the CrossFit Games. And so I really kind of just fell into it. I had, I had no idea that I had gotten that good, to be honest. It was yeah. um, because I was just, I was just really in and focused on just what I was doing. And I mean, I was always really sporty as a kid, so it made sense. But um, yeah, it was just an accident. And then so I started each year just focusing on it a little bit more and, uh, you know, training a little bit harder, dialing a few other things in. And then before I knew it, I was just a full-blown athlete and I don't even know how I got there. (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of sports did you play as a kid? I pretty much only did swimming. So Mm. reason being, I had um, a single mom and she worked a lot and the swimming pool for my school was right across the road from our house. So it was the easiest thing to put me in because I could walk myself over to the pool. Um, you know, I didn't sort of require having someone there all the time. And we had carnivals that kept me busy on the weekend that like my grandparents could take me to as well. Yeah. So um, I swam most mornings and afternoons for like all of primary school. And then I did like, you know, other random sports here or there, but nothing that I really kind of committed to or anything like that. I just sort of dabbled. It was mainly just swimming. And then, uh, yeah, I kind of got into high school and I just lost it. I sort of lost touch entirely and I half regret that, um, but I also don't because I don't think that I would have gone looking for what I now have if I hadn't have sort of stepped away for a second. But, yeah, mostly just swimming, just looking at the black line. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said earlier that you you went to the gym when like in your late teens because you were looking to looking for something to help you feel good. When did you start that association of like exercise giving you those feel good endorphins? So what actually happened is I wasn't like too wild or anything like that, but I was like, you know, 17, 18 when you finish high school and I was working and studying. And then in my spare time, I was just kind of going out and wasting my money, you know, going out to clubs and bars and whatever, like just living that young life. Usual teen things. Usual teen yeah. things, eating kind of yeah. crappy food, drinking a little bit yeah. too much alcohol, you know, just the standard things you do, nothing too crazy. Um, but obviously that sort of started to catch up with me over time. And I was like, look, I feel kind of gross within myself. My self-esteem is sort of low and I don't, mm. I, I felt like, that lifestyle was taking away any direction. Like I was like, I don't really know what I want. I'm just kind of tired all the time and don't feel amazing. And I actually just raised it with my mom and my mom had been through so many different things like illnesses and, you know, like emotional and mental things over the years. And she'd been on medication that had made her put on weight, like just lots of hurdles. And she'd always found her way back to the gym. And it would always be the thing that kind of got her through. So she would start physical activity again. She'd just gone through that. And she said, come to the gym with me. She said, I think that that'll be a perfect place to start. You can start doing something positive. You can start moving your body. She told me to take money out of my my weekly wage and pay for a personal trainer. She said, be accountable to someone. Make sure that you have someone that you have to turn up for like, and, and actually pay for it, pay your money so that you're more likely to go and be committed to it and do it properly. And I was like at the point where I'm like, look, I'll take any advice and I'll try anything. I just don't feel great. Um, I don't feel like myself. And so I pretty much joined up at the gym the next day. I booked in a personal trainer. I had a session once or twice a week. Um, instead of go- going out as much, I was going to the gym and I pretty much felt like a new person within a week or two. And 
Um, yeah, so it kind of just came from personal experience for my mom, really. That's so good. It, your mom's so wise and it's great to have that kind of role model in your life who's, who's, who's lived it basically and can show you, hey, this worked for me. Maybe you can try it too. That's right. So this year's CrossFit Games will be your 10th, mm-hmm. which is insane. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's massive. What is it about competing that keeps you coming back? Oh, wow. I don't know. I um, Sometimes competing is funny. Like we have such a long season. Sometimes I find you just keep rolling into the next one. I mean, obviously you set goals and I've been working towards the top for so long and I really wanted to make sure that for so long as it felt right, I was still sort of dedicating myself and still working really hard towards that goal. And it's a tricky goal, right? Like there can only be one winner Um, and there's a lot of really fit girls. So, um, you know, we all fight for this thing. We strive for this thing. I guess I just enjoy that process. Like it's a hard process for sure, but I enjoy working out anyway. I love CrossFit. I love training the way I do and I'm pretty good at it and I've been doing it a while. So mm-hmm. I just kind of keep showing up. Um, I never really had a, like a time frame set in mind. I didn't think, I didn't know if I would or wouldn't be here at 10 years later. Um, but here I am. I just have yeah. been riding the wave so long as it works for my life and so long as it's kind of still giving me something and I'm still happy doing it. I just kind of keep training and yeah, keep just striving for the top. You know, the cool thing is you see like the, like a lot of older athletes as well competing or like doing CrossFit. Can you imagine yourself in your fifties still doing CrossFit? Yeah, totally. I think the thing I learned in the early days, and this came more from like, I coached CrossFit when I very first started my career. I saw people come into the gym for so much more than competitive sport. Like the people in your gym aren't doing that. You know, Mm. a lot of people see the CrossFit games and CrossFit athletes and they think that that's what CrossFit is. But, you know, I remember 70-year-olds coming in who just wanted to like get fit again so that they could keep up with their grandkids and they could like live better days, you know, and they could run around with them in the park. We had a lady who, you know, could barely walk 400 meters and her goal was to run 400 meters. And after a couple of months, she could run 400 meters unbroken at 72 years old or something crazy. Like, so oh, that's I awesome. saw them. Yeah, like I saw that so early and then kids getting involved and I learned that um, it's so much more about just movement being normal. Um, And, you know, I mean, that's how I've tried to raise my daughter too is so that she just always sees that physical like movement exercise is a really normal part of everyone's day. That's just what you do. It's part of your day the same as making breakfast or brushing your teeth. And um, so I can definitely see myself long-term, I think the journey will look really different. There'll be so many different stages within that of like what training looks like. Yeah. You know, if for instance, like pregnant and postpartum look totally different than training for the games and then what that will look like, you know, maybe when I have a few kids or when I'm older, it'll be totally different and just within my realm. But I think it's a necessity and I think, yeah, I can't really imagine life without it. <laughs> and those, those masters athletes are very, very inspiring. Yeah, that's what I've really noticed about the CrossFit community. It's very inclusive. And like I alluded to earlier, like when you watch the games, it it can be intimidating. But when you go to actual CrossFit boxes, it's like it's very welcoming and lots of different people from different backgrounds, which is very cool. Yeah, 100%. There's, you know, um, the gym I'm training at at the moment, so – um, you know, in the United States in preparation for the CrossFit Games, a massive gym called CrossFit Mayhem. 
And I watch the classes. So we've got a heap of athletes that all come there every year to prep for the CrossFit Games. And then right next to us, there's master's classes of like, you know, older people. Everyone's like scaling to different levels. There's the kids over on the ropes doing something else, like tiny little kids to like older kids. And then there's like, you know, there's just so many different people from different walks of life. Um, that come in and out of this gym all day long and I think that's that's the coolest thing and they all kind of share it you know it is that sort of community where like the whole family is sort of sharing that same thing and um, yeah it's it's super cool and I definitely hope that more people can see that over time that there's so much more to those like local little gyms and the communities and it is super super inclusive despite the fact that we do crazy workouts sometimes (laughs) (laughs) Um, now I saw that you're splitting the profits from your noble Jersey sales with other Aussie CrossFit athletes. Mm-hmm. Can you tell, tell us a bit more about this? Yeah. So essentially noble decided, um, so they've done this in the past. The games have done this in the past where they'll make a replica Jersey for particular athletes. Um, and you can purchase them with our names on it. And, uh, in the past they've sort of done it with for past champions. So, you know, people who have won the games before and they decided to bring it back this year with Noble. I think this is Noble's second year as the title sponsor of the CrossFit Games. Uh, But they did it a little bit differently. And I guess in a way that I don't entirely agree with, I'm also very mindful of the fact that it's not my business and it's not my choice of how to run a business and things like that. That's very much, you know, their decision to make, Mm. but they decided CrossFit has always wanted to contribute back to the athletes. So they wanted to go, hey, let's make some replica jerseys and let's give a portion of that jersey, of each jersey sold for that person, back to the athlete to support their journey as an athlete. Great initiative. The problem is they selected a few athletes, um, athletes who predominantly live within North America and the competitions in North America there wasn't really much of a representation of any international athletes or any really inclusive selection process. So when I looked at it, I saw, you know, it wasn't based off past champions. It wasn't based off, um, you know, like maybe one from each continent or whatever. there was no real process. It was kind of like a, a random selection of just who they had chosen. And I didn't find mm. that that was very fair or inclusive personally. And so they put it to the community to select a further six people to go on the jerseys. So three men and three women. And I was one of those that the community voted to have a jersey, which is awesome. I think I'm totally worthy. Um, It's really amazing that my friends and family can wear a jersey with my name on it, especially after 10 years. Super grateful for that. But I'm I'm also very compassionate to the fact that I also think that all of the other athletes deserve one. Um, And that, you know, Anyone in any country has a huge, you know, support network of people who want to support them and they haven't been given that opportunity. I also know that, uh, you know, that that saying that you can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. So I thought I'd start small um, and at least split the profits of my shirt um, between the Australian athletes who didn't get a jersey. It doesn't fix the problem of them still not being able to be like, supported tangibly by their community but it's a start and I did express that I have had a conversation with the CrossFit Games I have expressed that personally they heard me and it's something that they're definitely working towards in the years to come so um, but for now I think the right thing to do is to split the profits the Aussies pay a lot of money every year to come all the way to the US um, you know early to acclimate and all those kind of things 
Um, I don't know if it'll be much money or if it will help much, but I think that it's the fair and right thing to do. And I value those athletes the same as I value me having a jersey. Yeah, that's such a great initiative that you're that you're taking on. So tell me, what kind of training does it take to prepare for the Games? So, you know what, since I first started at the start of my career, I trained for an hour, an hour and a half a day, um, and I did really basic training. As the years have gone on and the sport, you know, developed and got more professional and athletes started working harder and harder, the demand has only gotten more and more. So I train twice a day every day, um, except for Thursday and Sunday. On Thursdays, I do active recovery, so usually a session at the pool. And then on Sundays, some athletes will train as well. I take an entire rest day on Sunday. I find that mentally I need to turn off and not have to be, you know, training in any way. Um, And I train Mm. for a couple of hours at a time. So maybe like two-hour blocks each session. It could be a little bit less sometimes or it could be more just depending on the time of year um, within the season. Obviously, I'm training the most right now um, and – yeah, so that's looking like a lot of hours, <laughs> a lot of hours per day, kind of like a full-time job, I guess. And I have a little bit of a rest in the middle of the day. And then everything around that is dedicated towards nutrition and hydration and rest and recovery and parenting and <laughs> all those other things. Yeah, so many other things. What's your nutrition approach to make sure that you're fueling correctly to be able to train those twice a day, two-hour sessions? Yeah, well, I used to just eat like really well. So like I just eat really good quality foods. There came a point in my career where I was like, actually, I think I'm falling short now in the way of sports, like performance nutrition. And then even just as a woman, like falling short in like potentially how many calories I was eating, I really underestimated how much I actually needed to do what I was doing and the demand that it was taking. Um, So I asked for help from a nutrition coach and I realized, oh my gosh, I actually have to eat so much more. So um, <laughs> at the moment I count, I count my macronutrients just to make sure that I'm not falling short more than anything. That's our biggest issue. Um, and then obviously I have to include hydration around that. So making sure that I'm timing electrolytes and things like that correctly. Um, and then also the timing of my macronutrients. So we eat, I, w- I would say pretty much all I can't speak for everyone, but I would say pretty much all CrossFit athletes eat a high carb diet. Um, And then we obviously eat protein to sort of balance out with our body weight and then fat according to, it's probably a little bit different for everyone. The fat levels, um, men to women is a little bit different. I think sometimes the women can have a little bit more at times percentage wise, and obviously just depending on what works for you. So, um, and then around that, I try and just stack a lot of carbohydrates around my training. So having to eat so many carbohydrates is a full-time job in itself, (laughs) having to eat so much food. Um, It's not fun. It's not fun eating that much food. It definitely, you lose that, lose that joy for like treats or anything like that. But um, yeah, I try and time it so that my body is still healthy, I guess. And I'm not like eating crazy things and it is timed around my workouts so that I am fueling the performance rather than just kind of like eating all day long. For our listeners who love this kind of idea of timing their food to fuel their workout, can you give an example of like, say, for example, when you're having those carbs, like how long before a session would you would you have those carbs? So there's a couple of things to consider. Um, you know, ideally, I'd say anywhere from like 30 to 60 minutes before a workout, 
I usually go 30 minutes. That's what works really well for me, just depending on what kind of carbs I'm having, if they're easy to digest or not. So some people uh, might have a slower digestion um, and it might like irritate their gut and then they can't go into a workout. So there's a little bit of trial and error there that took me some time to find what was my ideal amount of carbohydrates and what kinds. I've started to go more into the realm of like a liquid carbohydrate, which is working really well for me at the moment so that I'm not like eating too much actual food right before a workout. Um, There's a couple of like little tips and tricks like Finding So I eat like fresh dates. They're really high in carbohydrates, but really small. So you can kind of eat them and they're instant fuel, but they don't sit heavy in your tummy. So that works really well. Um, so it's finding those kind of foods that work for each individual too, obviously that they like. But I usually, yeah, I'd say maybe 30 minutes, 30 to 60, closer to 30 before and after a workout. And, uh, you know, obviously stacking a lot, a lot of carbohydrates after your training as well, so that you are recovering and you've got essentially the carbohydrates energy, right? So it's giving your body the energy to recover all of the losses and to do all of the repair from the session that you've just done. The body will better utilize those carbohydrates around training than if you eat it and then just sit down or have a nap or whatever. So, um, you know, for people who are a little bit afraid of maybe eating higher carbohydrates, timing is everything. And if you have it around your physical activity and then have less sort of spaced out throughout the day, then you're obviously, you're going to like get more bang for your buck, I guess. Mm, There's so much thought and science that goes into making sure that you're fueled correctly in your training. It's so interesting. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Like training is hard work, but it's making sure that all of the other things, like all of the other boxes are ticked and that the timing is right of everything so that you don't break and you have enough energy to turn up. Like that's the hardest part of it all, to be honest. Now you mentioned earlier too about how your training changes depending on your different life stage. So we talked about training in your 50s, way in the future, but then also when you're pregnant and postpartum. And so your daughter, um, Scotty, she's three now. Um, What was it like getting back into training after giving birth? Uh, Look, I knew because she was my first child, I was very realistic in the fact that I knew that I'd never done this before and I had no idea how it was going to pan out. I tried to avoid looking at what anyone else had done in a way of like, oh, I should do that or should, should do this or whatever. And instead I looked at a whole bunch of people, looked at what was possible, looked at different experiences. I did some research. I talked to people around me. Um, and then I kind of just took it one day at a time based off feeling, just using my intuition. Luckily, my body had a really strong foundation of physical activity. So it had something to go back to. I was able to move. I was lucky. I had a really good pregnancy. I was able to move all the way up until I think about a week before Scotty was born when I walked into the gym one day and I was like, this doesn't feel right anymore. And then Mm. I kind of rested. I just knew I walked in. I'm like, this isn't giving back to me anymore. It's actually taking away. And I stopped. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I just took it one day at a time. I started off with breath work, um, just doing some recovery of obviously my midline that, you know, takes a massive toll, my pelvic floor. I did that. I essentially called it like a rehab phase. And I started with that first and foremost. I, I had an understanding of that based off, you know, being a coach and being an athlete for so long. And then I just slowly started integrating things. So the kind of order that I went was rehab. Then I went to So that was like obviously pelvic floor midline. 
Then I went to learning how to breathe again. Mm. So I did a couple of times a week what you call like a zone two. So you put your heart rate um, and anyone will be able to Google like, um, you know, your heart rate zones and you can do a calculation based off your age and things like that. So zone two is sort of like a a really moderate, sustainable um, heart rate output. So I would do say three times a week, like 20 minutes, really slow, just to learn how to breathe again. And it was like really relaxed, just maybe on a bike or, you know, something like that or a rower. Then once I started to be able to breathe again, I started adding in some more activation, turning the muscles all back on. Obviously you sit around slouching and I was breastfeeding and things like that. Um, I started activating things and just started doing things slowly. And I just sort of started to put the puzzle pieces together, like progressively over time. And I had no expectations. I just did a little bit more when it felt right to do a little bit more. I pulled back if something felt like too much. I did that maybe one or two times where I thought I was okay. And I pushed a little bit far and I went, yeah, no, that doesn't feel right anymore. Let's go back a few steps. Um, and that was just me sort of like putting the feelers out there to see what I could do. And, uh, yeah, I think intuition is like a, you know, intuition without emotion is really magical. So not letting like the fear or the stress or the anxiety of, you know, getting back to fitness or getting back to a certain level or getting your body back to a certain way that can really skew your direction. So I think if you can try and push that aside Mm -hmm. as much as you can and be in tune a little bit more, our bodies are just so clever, you know, they'll just kind of like tell you where to be and when, and when you need to rest and, so I tried to just tune into that and um, yeah, take it one day at a time. That's such great advice and to like get the emotion out. Another example is like you are trying to get back into your old, the old way that you used to train before having a baby and you kind of feel like crap because you're not there yet, but just listening to your body and seeing, accepting, accepting where it is at this time just helps that journey go better and, and, and you're looking after your body too, which is awesome. Yeah, A hundred percent. And even now, like three years later, I think I could have done less. Like I maybe like, you know, next time I'd maybe even do less again. And just, you understand that like, there's no timeline. You can get back to a really awesome level. You might not get to back where you were once or like, who knows? Everyone's just so different. Every pregnancy, every birth, everything is so different. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely no, like, there's no like limitation, but there's also no timeline. Like it doesn't matter. It might take some people three months. It might take someone three years or 30 years. I don't know. Like it just doesn't matter. Just, yeah, kind of just roll with what feels good because being a new mom is hard enough as it is. <laughs> so very true. <laughs> So we're in the lead up to this year's CrossFit Games. Can you tell me how do you mentally prepare? So mentally, that's a that's a daily task. I started a couple of months ago actually doing a few guided meditations. It sounds super corny because I feel like people throw around like, oh, I meditate now and they don't really like know why or how or <laughs> So I started off yeah. I actually read a I read a book and I can't remember what it's called, but this lady just kind of wrote about meditation in just a really practical way that made you kind of feel like you don't need to be perfect at it. It doesn't need to be like set up in this perfect environment. Everything has to be like magical and, you know, you switch off. And so I was like, okay, I'll just start somewhere. So I started doing some guided meditations and I kind of take a few moments to do that. And I do a little bit of guided, a little bit of freestyle, just depending on where I'm at. And I find that helps me um, just stay a little bit more grounded and I can react better. 
um, or like not react when things kind of get crazy. I can kind of think a little bit more logically. I can tune back into how I breathe and use that to sort of re-regulate me when things get crazy. And then daily, every single day at the moment, I'm forever checking in with like what my what my goal is or my goals, what my purpose is, because everyone from the outside will always kind of, they will put, I guess, a goal there for me of like, you know, you've got to win and do this or do that or perform like this. And I kind of just always take a moment to come back to like what makes me happy and what I need out of it and just constantly check in with that. So I just have this like, I write it out. I'm really like tangible. I love to like write things out and see it. And then it's something that I always come back to. I come back to memories, good memories, good feelings, like where I've felt my most successful and the most rewarded. And I just come back to that. And I do that before I go to bed. Like it's just constantly in my brain so that, you know, I can essentially go out and perform to my best because you perform your best when you're happy and calm. And if I'm stressed, I just, I won't perform well. The body doesn't do well with stress. Um, I'll make silly decisions, you know, I'll make errors. So the best thing that I can do is like, just have a really good understanding of myself and be as like level as I can be, get some rest. And, but yeah, it's definitely, it's a little bit easier now to be honest, 10 years down because I've, I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser, (laughs) like, um, you know, I've got bigger things in my life with my daughter and, you know, business and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, um, I've lived a little bit more. And I kind of understand like what's worth stressing about and what's not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You mentioned, you know, being mom to Scotty and your business and then training um, to compete with the best athletes in the world. How do you manage it all? It's a juggle. It's definitely a juggle. (laughs) There's, um, There's no easy way to do it. I'm very, very lucky that I have an incredibly supportive and present husband. That is number one. I honestly, like hands down, just don't even know how I would do half of it if I didn't have him supporting me through it. It's a, it's definitely a real team effort. You know, um, you know, everything that he does in his spare time is dedicated towards me being able to train and, um, but also making sure that Scotty is, has like present parents and we're still engaged with her. We need to really balance that. So that's number one. So I definitely recommend getting a Matt Saunders and then uh, (laughs) that helps. And then, you know, we just, I don't know, we just, we just work it out. I don't know, like Matt and I are the kind of people, we just make things work when they're hard. Um, One thing I learned from actually some kids in a charity that I work with in Hawaii and they talk about, they teach the kids to do hard things. And I remember it stuck with me. They're like, their number one thing is to teach kids that hard is not bad. It's just hard. And it's good to do hard things. It's good for us. And you find a way through it. There's always a way. Mm. And so I've kind of taken that with me for years and you know, it's a juggle. I get up early, usually at home and I train one session almost all the way through before Scotty wakes up. She usually wakes up and then I'm juggling breakfast while I finish off the second session. She's got a little lounge sitting in the gym and she comes in and sits and eats her breakfast while I finish that off. And then usually we kind of work with a give and take. So that's so cute. Yeah, she, she loves, like, she loves, it. it's pretty fun <laughs> like to watch. Um, and then by the time she's finished, usually we have one of her commitments. So she plays three sports at the moment, um, or she does daycare two days a week. So usually we kind of do something for me and then we go and do something for her. Some days might flip around a little bit. There might be the other way, depending on like when it 
came into winter and it was really cold. We were doing her things first and then mine later because I didn't want to train in the cold. But um, (laughs) yeah, so then we'll go and do something for her, whether that's like her swimming lessons or soccer or gymnastics or we go to the beach or playground or whatever it is. And then we kind of rest and then we do that again um, in the afternoon. So it's sort of like intervals. Our life is intervals all throughout the day. Um, Going like something for me, something for her. We rest, we eat, we work, we do it all over again until the end of the day. So the days go fast, but but it's all good stuff. Like it's fun. What time do you have to wake up in the morning to start your session before she wakes up? So I normally wake up around, I wake up earlier in summer, obviously around 5.30 and I wake up around 6, 6.30 in winter and it's getting a little bit cooler. But <laughs> um, I like to get up and have a little bit of time before anyone else wakes up. So usually if my husband's home from work, he will sleep a little bit longer than I do. She'll sleep longer than I do. And I have that opportunity to kind of wake up, do my little meditation, get a few things organized on my own, like just have that time. I don't know. I feel like most mums know what this is. It's just like, it's that time where you can kind of just hustle and sort things out like on your own watch. And it's amazing. (laughs) And if she wakes up early, it's just like the whole day is just thrown out. So um, yeah, I get up early and get a few things done, tick some things off, get started in my training or whatever it is that I have to do. Um, and so I'd rather get up a little bit earlier just to have that time to kind of ease into the day because once she's up, like the day's on, you know, where I don't turn off again until, until 7.30 when she goes to bed. Now you were also talking about earlier the role nutrition plays in recovery. I was wondering what other cool recovery tips do you have that maybe our listeners could incorporate in their own um, weekly schedule? Oh, as an athlete, I do so many different things. So obviously training recovery, um, there's like so many different things you can do. I have a sauna at home, which I absolutely love. I think if people are able to even get access to a sauna at different times, that is amazing, used frequently. We have an ice bath that I use on and off. We made it in like an old freezer. (laughs) That works well too. Oh, cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have like a, I have what you call like a hypervolt, which is like a massage gun. They're really, really good. At, like, I think they're such a good investment because if you can't make it to get a massage or treatment, or maybe you can't afford it, you kind of outlay the cost once and then, you know, you can use it, maybe share it with your partner or you can do it yourself. And it's such a good way to kind of just maybe like flush out the body. Um, you know, I have heaps of different things like that. I think hydration is the biggest thing, like drink water, eat good food. They're my, they're my heroes. They're always my heroes in the way of recovery. And then having a look at, um, supplementation, especially for women, The thing that I've actually done the most in the last two years is I looked more at supplementing as a woman than I did supplementing as an athlete. And Mm. it actually made my performance and recovery so much better. So what actually happened is I breastfed my daughter for almost two and a half years. And I was, I realized at some point I was like, I am empty. Like I'm giving my everything to this child. And then I'm working out and doing all of these extra things. And like the baby is like, is fine. They're so resilient. Like our bodies will just empty us and drain us to make sure that they're fine. Yeah. And, um, I was like, I, I just feel like I need more. Like I need to look at my nourishment. I need to take a few more supplements and things like that just to top up my stores. 
And as soon as I did that and started like looking at my iron levels and maybe even just like supplementing in cycles throughout the month, because obviously a woman's like month is so different. Like men are kind of like reset overnight. And then the woman is like every week is so different within the month and we have different requirements. Mm -hmm. So I started looking into that a little bit more and um, working with like my timing. And I think that was just such an amazing thing to do. Um, And I definitely think that's worth women looking into because so many studies or so many guidelines are based off tests on males and they're just not as applicable. And I think if we, if we treat ourselves like as a woman first, and this has been something that's been a huge priority for me through my entire career, um, mainly because I always knew I wanted babies and I just take it seriously, like being healthy from the inside out first And, um, that's always been a priority to like maintain a a natural cycle as best I could and things like that, which is really hard as a professional athlete. Um, so yeah, I think that's been a huge game changer and I feel healthier than ever now at 32 than I did, you know, at 25 competing. So, um, yeah, I definitely think have a look at supplementation and things like that. If you're falling short, you know, if you're just not able to, it's super hard to get it all through our diet. Um, and I've always been a huge advocate for if you have the means, even just one time to pay a professional to help you. So go see a nutritionist or a naturopath or a doctor or whoever you feel comfortable with and get them to test your bloods and do something specific to you. And it's the best money you'll ever spend. Like don't, don't try and wing it on your own. If you don't have to, if you have the means to get some help, by all means, I would just do it straight away and you'll have that information forever then. Oh, thank you so much, Cara. That's such great advice. Thank you for having me. This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted and produced by me, Lisa Gabelagen. For more from us, pick up a copy of the latest issue of Women's Health with Brooke Blurton on the cover. Find it on newsstands or online via Zinio and Apple News Plus. And visit us at womenshealth.com.au.